God, let's stand together. Amen. Amazing service already, and just with, uh, not, of course, not knowing what the message is going to be on, but this is just truth. God's word is truth, and Adam touched on just the truth and liberation. Of course, Scott did too, just how powerful God's word is to us as we laid hold of it. First verse is from uh, John 6, verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, the discerning of thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Thank you. Be seated. Am I on? Yes, I am. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's here. Amen. Woo! It's been a heavy week. I've been to two wakes this week. And then when I heard about Scott's dad, a son of a friend of mine, he got, he got married last Saturday. He died on Sunday. Once the church that held the, the wedding, they had the wake and the funeral there last night or yesterday. This is where the, the Lord needs to go so deep into us that in the midst, we've got the hope that nobody else does. And we need to know that. We really need to have that in us. And just like, just like Scott said, I mean, when they made amends with his dad, his dad's telling everybody. Yeah. It's that love. It's his love in us that changes us. It just, it just, he's an amazing God. He's an amazing God. Hallelujah. Can we put up... Hi. <laughs> Matthew 22. The Lord has shown me for a while that this is the foundation. The foundation scripture of everything. In Matthew 22, starting in verse 36, um, one of the teachers of the law, one of the, one of the higher-ups in, in the in the church in, at the, in Israel at the time, asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What's the great commandment of all? <clears throat> Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul. Ah, maybe that's because that was on. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two depend or hang. It's the fruit of every other commandment. Everything else he tells us to do is dependent on these two. And we love him because he first loved us. Amen. And, and, I, and I, I know I shared this before a few times where 
the Lord gave me a vision one time of a guy just worshiping God and just loving him, just opening up his heart like this. And as he was opening up his heart and worshiping God, it was like liquid gold was just being poured down into him, like a real thick honey. Like as we open up our hearts to, re- to love him, he's going to pour his love into us. It's all about relationship with him. From the very beginning, I mean, <laughs> with Adam. God only gave Adam one, one commandment. Don't eat of that fruit. <laughs> he messed up. You know, so, and he's expe- he knows we're going to mess up. But the more we fall in love with him, the, more, the less we're going to want, I mean, the more we're going to want to do what pleases him. I was just talking to a friend of mine this week. He, <clears throat> he goes to the chapel and he's been involved in this uh, Set Free, which is their addictions group. Uh, for about eight, nine years or so, and he said he's seen maybe 150, 200 people go through the group, but only a small handful actually were totally delivered, whatever the addiction was, like no desire whatsoever to go back to it, whatever it was. He said that small handful, like five or six, were the ones who really fell in love with Jesus. And that's part of my testimony. I, I, was, I was a drunk, I was a drug addict down here. I, I was, I was go, my life was going on a tube, so I ran away to Alaska. I thought getting away from people, places, and things, <clears throat> but that didn't work. God had been worse up there. And when I was, a, I was planning my suicide, I was, I was going to do it. I just like, life, I, I can't take it. <clears throat> when I hap- just happened to find <laughs> one of these God things, a little Gideon's New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. And in the front of Gideon's Bibles, it says where to find help. And then it goes through different scriptures. And I would just cry out to God and cry out to God and cry out to God. And I would just read and read, read the word, read the word, the word. And then so my job transferred me from Anchorage up to Fairbanks. I got away from all my partying buddies. I was sick of that lifestyle. And some guy at church just, the guy I worked with invited me to his church, which we should be doing. <laughs> And one of the guys at churches asked me if, if I knew Jesus. I said, eh, you know, I'm Catholic, I, I know. And he said, would you like to study the Bible? I said, sure. So we got it, and, and I'll, ne- I'll never forget this. He's going through scriptures, and, and I'm like, dude, that's talking to me. He's going through something, he's flipping some up. Dude, that's talking to me. And I'm like, look, you don't know anything about me, but I'm telling you, everything you're saying, it's talking right to me. I said, this thing was written like 2,000 years ago? He said, yeah, yeah, something like that, you know? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're just talking to me. He said, would you like to make Jesus Lord of your life, get baptized? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I was easy pickings then. But then I, I fell so in love with it, I just got into the word. I just got so into the word and got the word into me. I just kept feeding on it, feeding on it, feeding on it. <clears throat> and then uh, met this girl one time at, at some meeting, and she invited me out to lunch. I said, sure. I said, she said, I said, where do you want to go? She said, how about the peanut farm? Peanut farm was like a bar, restaurant place up in Anchorage. And um, I'm like, all right. I never went into the restaurant. <laughs> it was my favorite, one of my favorite drinking places. But I didn't know they had a, an entrance to the restaurant. All I knew was the bar entrance. <laughs> so I walked in, and as soon as I walked, I'm standing there. And I used to love this place. I'm standing there and thinking... When's the last time I've been in a bar? Man, when's the last time I had? I haven't been in a bar in about six, eight months. I haven't had a drink in six, eight months. I haven't done any dope in about a year. 
He totally delivered me. I didn't even know it. The more you fall in love with him, the more he changes you. And the, and the closer you get, he is love. I mean, he just loves getting into you. And the more, the more you get, the more he gets into you, the more you just want to. And that other stuff that you used to do, you're gonna, you just don't want to do it no more. It really is. It's all about that. It's all about getting in more into the, into the Lord and him into you. And if we could do 1 John chapter 4. It's about his love. I'll read it. And by this, love is perfected within us. That we have confidence on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. God is love, and he created us in his image and likeness. So the more we become like him, the more we're going to be that, that love to the world. We just are. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. The more his love we put in us, it, it does. It drives out the fear. And so, and the Lord showed me this a while ago. He said, he said, don't let the enemy steal your peace and joy. So if I'm going through life, whatever, you know, whatever is going through, if I start getting anxious about something, it's like, okay, God, I just got my attention off of you and onto my problem. So what do I have to do to surrender and trust in you to give you this, whatever it is? And every one of us has different issues that we've grown up with that are harder for us to, to get rid of. Uh, as far as healing, for me it was a piece of cake to trust God as my healer. It was absolutely a piece of cake. When I, before I got saved, that if I would go to a doctor, they never did it right. Home remedies used to take care of it better than, <laughs> than the doctor. Yeah. And so the first time I went to a Pentecostal church up in Anchorage, the part of the message was, by his stripes you were healed. Doesn't say you're going to be, doesn't say might be, says you were. And he bore all your sicknesses, every sickness on his. So that just went down into me. It's like, yeah. So for me, it's, it was easy. But finances are harder. Because I've always, and just my family and everything, we've always struggled with that. So each, we've all got different areas of our lives that are going to be harder to surrender to him. To make him the Lord over it. Hmm. So we all have that. But it's the, more, the closer you get to him, and he knows it. He knows everything we're going to do. He knows before the foundation of the world. I heard this one message. He said, you know, he knows before we're formed in our mother's womb. He knew every mistake we were ever going to make and he factored our stupidity into our destiny. Yeah. <laughs> he really did. He, know, he knows ahead of time that out of fear I'm going to go this way instead of going this way. But he's already looking, okay, okay, so now I'll come back over, you know, around this way to my way of thinking. He loves us. And he knows everything. He knew every mistake we were ever going to make. And he still loved us. <laughs> he still said, you know, when we said yes to him, all right, we're his. 
We're no longer our own. When we accepted what Jesus did for us, we've been bought for a price. We belong to him. And that is so good. That is so we, That's a comfort that we have that nobody else has. And the peace, if you go out there, and, and like with Scott, what you're going through, or what these other families are going through, the fact that you can have a, yeah, you're going to be sorrowful, but the fact that you can handle it, that's, that's a testimony to people. That we can handle things and, and not, get, not get ticked and, and, you know, and, and whatever, just losing our temper, losing our, our peace, whatever it is. It's a, people need that. They want that. And the joy, the word says that in his presence is the fullness of joy. You know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those things, the world, the entire planet, every human being was created in his image and likeness. So they're all missing and they all need it. We're we're his ambassadors. And for the most part, they don't have it. And so they need it. Or they'll try and go, they'll try and get something else that will fill the void, that can't really fill the void. And um, when I was in Alaska, I was, a me- I was in this group, Alaskans for Drug-Free Youth. <coughs> and I'll never forget um, uh, the statistics, the highest drug addiction rate, and it was equal, I think it was for heroin too, was among the extremely rich and extremely poor. And I remember hearing the testimony of this one guy where he had worked his way up, spent his whole life to work his way up. He became the vice president of the Hughes Corporation, a you know, ton of money and everything. And it, it didn't fill the void inside. Because it can't. So he, so he started getting into drugs. He didn't have it because he spent his whole life, he finally attained what he was, spent his whole life wanting to do, and it was nothing. And then when he finally made Jesus the Lord of his life, you know, he broke free of that stuff. And that's, that's what it's all about. He wants to be the Lord of our lives. Like, like Dan was saying, it's really easy. He just wants everything. <laughs> and there's, there's a song out there, I love it, uh, by Jesus Culture. It says, you won't relent until you have it all. I give you my heart. You won't relent until you have it all. I give you my heart. You won't relent until you have it all. Because he knows what's best for us. We don't. There's also, I mean, he knows where we're going. He knows what's going to be out there. We don't. So the more we surrender to him, the more we can handle the trials and the tribulations when they do come. And sometimes he'll, he'll lead us around it so we can avoid them. 1 Corinthians 13 is the definition of love. Uh, there's, and there's three different, there's like brotherly love, philos, there's love of a thing, which is eros, erotic, and everything. Else. Yeah, but the, the godly love, it says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, if I have not love, I'm not just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love, 
I'm nothing. If all if I give all I have, if I give away all I have, and I deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. I remember when I was reading, I'm thinking to myself, we can be do, we can have these giftings and everything, we can give all our money away, we can burn ourselves out serving God and not doing it out of love. More out of compulsion, out of a religious you know, compulsion that I got to do this stuff. So we really need to have this love. And we're told you know, to love your neighbor as your, we need to love God, love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So this is how we've got to love, love. We get to love ourselves like this. Love is patient and kind. Sometimes we got to need to be patient with ourselves. Sometimes we need to be kind to ourselves. We can beat ourselves up real bad. We can kick ourselves all over the place when we miss it. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant or rude. So we're not going to act like that. And God doesn't act like that towards us. <laughs> you know, he doesn't force his way on us. It does not insist on its own rights, its own ways. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, it never fails. We need to think about ourselves like that. That even though we're missing it, even though we're going through trials, I need to have that, that confidence in me. That, Lord, I'm, I'm surrendering more to you. You bought me. I'm yours. And the more we do, the more confident. The, as we open ourselves up to him, we are going to say that. You know, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to Christ. So the more I, it's just, again, it's just the, the re, almost the result of becoming more alive to Christ is going to, is we're going to be dead to sin. We're not going to want to go there. You just don't because, you know, something, yeah, we're going to mess up. But then, as the pressures come, we have to realize, you know, this is, and this is the whole process. This is the whole process. We all got stuff inside of us. Um, you know, like science has even proven that we have like rooms in our heart. Our heart thinks. You know, it's our emotions. And life can be hell. We can get beat up. We can get hurt really bad. And then you throw a wall up. And and a lot of times it's not. Sometimes it's an attack of the enemy, but sometimes you, you, like if you lose your dad. That hurts. So we have to let him in there. We have to open up our hearts to let him in there and do that healing. And, and there, there's a, an analogy, and, and it's like, yeah, it's true, that, that our heart is like an onion, and there's different layers that we have to peel off. And he showed me one time, he said, sometimes we have, we have a, this wall up. It'll be bitterness or unforgiveness or just anger or pride, whatever. And sometimes we have to repent of that so that he can get to the wound behind it. 
Other times, we need to open up to let him in and heal that hurt, heal that wound. And then once that wound is healed, you know, the walls that we put up, that whatever we went through in life, they, they're just going to come down. And, and it's a process. It's a process. It's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. We never make it all the way. But he showed me one time, and, and because he wants to pour his glory out through us, through the church, like the world's never seen it. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You go therefore make disciples. If all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, how much authority does the devil have? Nothing. Unless we give it to him. Unless we allow him to take it. To have it. Why is the world messed up? We've allowed him to take it. But what does he do? He gets hooks in us. And he showed me, he said, one time he said, I want, just like with Jesus, Jesus said, the enemy comes, he finds nothing in me. And he's, the Lord said, that's where, where he wants to bring that church to. So that when the enemy hits us, you know, there's nothing there. So we can be that, that vessel of his glory. I mean, when Peter used to walk down the street, his shadow would touch people and they'd get healed. Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do also in greater works than these than he, than will you do. He raised people from the dead. <laughs> Actually, he told the apostles, go do the same thing. Here's one for you. I heard this a while ago. <clears throat> Jesus said, under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, if you touched a leper, and this is good hygiene, <clears throat> you, you, were, you were unclean, and you had to go outside the camp and be separate for like eight days or whatever it was, ten days, <coughs> to cleanse yourself. Which is good hygiene, you know, so you don't go around touching lepers and dead bodies and everything. <coughs> but under the new covenant, you touch the leper, and the leper becomes clean. Hmm. I mean, he really wants us to start doing this stuff. Jesus said one of the signs that would follow those who believed in his name would that we would lay their hands on the sick and they'd recover. We really, he really wants to start doing that. And one of the, when I was a brand new baby Christian, I didn't know nothing about nothing. And my, I was you know, coming off of being drugs. My roommate at the time was a, was a Mormon guy, and he was, coming off, he was coming off being a crack addict. He comes home one day, and he's like, and he had a real bad sore throat. He got really talking and everything. And I said, hey, man, Jesus, the Bible says if you believe in the name of Jesus, you can lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. You want me to pray for you? He said, yeah, man, go for it, man. I said, all right. I put my hand on his throat and I just prayed against the cold flu, whatever it was, and like that. And in the name of Jesus, and all of a sudden he's like, Hey, I'm not stuffed anymore. He swallows real hard. My sore throat's gone. He's like, Yeah, we're just high fiving each other. We're high fiving angels. We're a couple of stoneheads. We didn't know what we were doing. And we're just having fun. <laughs> that was on a Monday. Wednesday, he showed up. Our church uh, had a Wednesday night service. He shows up at the service with his girlfriend. She's on crutches. He goes, hey, man, hey, man, do that, do that laying on hands thing with Corey. I'm like, all right, what's going on? She's got an accident. I'm all right. So I grabbed her by the, by the calves, and I prayed for her calves, or her muscles, ligaments, tendons, whatever, to be healed in the name of Jesus. When she left, she was still limping, still using the crutches. I was like, well, why didn't you heal her? I don't understand. Because you know, everybody I prayed for, it's like, I don't know what's going on. 
So she came over to the apartment that Friday, and I said, I don't know what happened, but I want to pray for you again. I know what God wants to heal you. And she's like, no, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. <laughs> See, God knew the, the details. She was scheduled for surgery, for heart surgery, Thursday morning. She had a blood clot going up to her heart. It was about to hit her heart. And so they scheduled her for surgery first thing in the morning. <clears throat> when she got there, they took x-rays. There wasn't any blood clot. She was healed. Amen. Prayed for her that night for her legs. They went out dancing. <laughs> I was a baby. It's not who you are. It's who he is and how much do you really trust him. If he says, you, well, that's where I was. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. And he wants people like that. One of my favorite scriptures is unless you turn and become as a little child, yeah, <laughs> you, you can't see the kingdom. So let's be like little kids. Okay, Dad, Jesus, you said I can leave. Okay, I'm going to do it. What if they don't get healed? What if they do? If you don't pray for them, they won't get healed. What if they do? I mean, this is why I keep telling everybody, he's cool. God is cool. Mark chapter 4. I don't know if we can get that up on the screen. Can we? Start in verse 14. Jesus tells a parable of sowing seed, of a guy sowing seed and, and the different types of soil and everything like that. And then everybody come up to him afterwards and said, explain this to us. And it was cute because he, he says, earlier he says, to you who has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, to those outside, everything's told in parables so that they can see and not hear and understand everything. And I, and I said, that doesn't sound like you. I said, why would you just tell the apostles and not everybody else? Then he took me back to the beginning of the chapter, and he said he preached his whole big crowd. And then it says those with um, his disciples with the twelve. So he said everybody who wanted to hear more, hear the explanation, I told it to him. He said if that whole crowd would have stayed around and said explain it to I would explain it to the whole, everybody. So how hungry are we to really know him and really know his word? The sower sows the word. And these are they sown among the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word that was sown in them. And these are those sown on rocky soil. Those who hear the word with joy, hear the word, immediately receive with joy. And have no root in themselves, endure for a while. Now look at this. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. So stuff's going to happen so that we don't get that word doesn't get roots into our hearts. Tribulation, any kind of pressures. Immediately they fall away. And that word fall away, this is interesting, it is in the Greek, it's the word scandalizo, it means to scandalize. To put a stumbling block. In the way, or to, to make someone trip and fall, or to make them offend. So, what does he do? We stand on the word, okay, I'm praying for healing, praying for whatever. <clears throat> Something happens, it looks even worse. 
And so all of a sudden, ah, that, you know, the word doesn't work. I'm not going to pray anymore. You know, he gets us. The enemy will do this to get us to not trust in God's word. So we have to recognize this. So with, we need to get the stones out of our heart. You know, we've got to stand in his word that, no, no, Lord, this is what your word says. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to stick on with this, with your word. Then, these are ones sown among thorns. And they hear the word. And the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, other things enter and it chokes the word and becomes unfruitful. The word cares there means to have a divided mind. It, you know, it's cares, it's, it's concerns, it's worries, anxieties, the whole thing, but literally it means to have a divided mind. So, what's, so we can be standing on his word, believing his word, but then something around it, it could be in our own personal world, it could be in the big old world out there, but it's going to get, if it gets into our heart, it's going to choke the word. And we're not going to get the fruit of it. And then he showed me one time about, um, if you go back to um, the deceitfulness of riches. And he said this to me one time. He said, that's a two-sided coin. The one side says, like I said earlier, you know, if, I got, if I had all this money, if I had all this stuff, boy, would I be happy. That doesn't work. But then the other side is, like, he might be wanting to bless you and you say, I don't want it. I can't take it. It'll do this to me. But it's like, no, 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 no. If he knows your heart is right, he can trust you with it. I remember hearing a story of uh, J.D. Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, the original Rockefeller of the big Rockefeller wealthy family, how he was in his mid-40s. He was dying of ulcers. He said in his memoir, he said that he, he learned how to give because his his mom was, was a Christian, and he used to give, and he, he knew he was getting blessed by God. But he was dying of ulcers, and so he decided to make a legacy for himself, so he was just going to give all his money away, and just as, to make a legacy for himself. So within six months, his, his um, what was I just saying? <laughs> his ulcers cleared out. He was getting the ulcers from trying to hang on to his money. And so when, when he started giving all away, the, the pressure of holding an eye was released. Gave it, he ended up living into his 90s wealthier than ever. You know, God's not against us. I've heard this. God's not against you having stuff. He's just not against, he's against stuff having you. So if he, can trust, if he knows he can trust you, he can trust you. Okay, and then the, these are those who become, who were, were they're sown on, on good ground. So when we get the th- stones out, when we get the, the thorns out, we bear fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. And that, that's, his, that's God's goal with us. He wants us to bear the fruit. So that we can be a blessing to others. Same thing like when, when our offerings. He wants to bless us so we can be a blessing to others. He wants, to, he wants us to have that joy and that peace so we can pass it out to others. You know, last week Pastor Dan was saying about how out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. It's not bellies, it's 
our innermost being, and it comes out of our mouth. <laughs> but this one, I heard this one lady, she saw in a spirit where she would see Christians talking to people, and she said, I would literally see this, these, these rivers of living water pouring out over these people and just washing them and washing them and washing them. You know, just the love of God. But she said, I've also seen Christians talking to people, and I've seen sewage coming out of them. You know, we really need to be submitted to him. And one of the, the words, we're talking about fasting, one of the words for to fast means to cover the mouth. Sometimes we just need to hush. And then go to God with it. A few weeks, actually a few months ago, I was, <clears throat> one friend, I was, he was missing it. He was, just wasn't seeing what God was trying to show him. So I sent him a very sarcastic email. <laughs> and he didn't receive it at all. And he responded with a sarcastic one back at me, because this is what guys do to each other. But then, so I repented to him and everything. Actually, the Lord had showed, before I got his response, I was on my face that morning, and the Lord showed me, you know, didn't do it right. So I was repenting and everything, and then, <clears throat> then I read it, so I, I responded to him, I, I repented, I said, you know, I, re- I just repented to God, and I'm apologizing to you, repenting to you too. And then about a week later, I sent him another one. But was, it was in a heart of love. Said basically the same thing I said the first one. This one was, was the attitude of my heart. And he totally received it. So it's really the attitude of the heart. And this is why we, he, he, he wants us to surrender it all. I love it. <laughs> he doesn't want much, just everything you are. <laughs> but it's worth it. Because then he gives you everything he is. So all of our bitterness and anger and all the other junk and all the works of the flesh, if you read Galatians 5, we give that all to him and he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And we can handle things. And the world notices, believe me, the world notices how we handle tribulations, how we handle pressures. They do, they see it. And the, the media is going to do everything, because the enemy's got a hold of them, they're going to do everything they can to highlight every time a Christian really messes up. Which means we have to be even stronger in our faith and stronger in our love. Just like with, with Brave going over to where she's going. You know, the enemy's out there. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But how much are we surrendered to him? And that's the key. There's, um, I heard years ago, I, I got a, anybody remember cassettes? Yeah. <laughs> A tracks, okay. <laughs> I was cool back in the day. I had my first under the dash eight track tape player before I even had a car. I just needed to buy a car to put it in, you know. <laughs> but I got a cassette of the guy, Clarence Snyder. He's one of the original founders of AA back in like the 30s and that. And he would lead people through the 12-step program in two days and never touch alcohol again. 
first thing was he made sure that they were serious, that they really wanted to change. And that's the big thing. And if you've ever been an addict or know anybody, they, we will squirm out of anything. We'll come up with every excuse not to admit that, yeah, I really want it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you get them serious, obviously you lead them to the Lord. <clears throat> but I like this, and, 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 and I, I converted that, that cassette into a CD, so if anybody wants one, I can, I can do some copies. <clears throat> I mean, he's, he's this gruff guy, and he, and he says, <laughs> yeah, one of the steps is you admit that you're powerless over alcohol and that you, your life has become unmanageable. He says, okay, if your life's unmanageable, you need a manager. His name's Jesus. <laughs> so you turn your life over to Jesus. And then in step four, he, it's make him take a moral inventory, and he says, it's not about what's out here, you know, what, like what's going on outside of my life, what am I doing on the outside, it's what, what's going on inside. What inside of me is making me do the things on the outside? So that's what we need to surrender. And he makes 20 points, is it, is it, is it, you know, selfishness, self-centeredness, um, just this whole list, and there's a little stack of yellow sheets back there. Uh, of the, and, and go through it. I mean, it's an interesting little, little study just to see what's in me. Can I, and just do it on your own. And just check it off and everything. And then, when he, then he says, give it, okay, give it to your manager. Give it to Jesus. Lord, I don't want these anymore. And watch what he does. He's cool. He loves you. He's awesome. Amen. 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 So, Father, right now, Father, I just want to pray for each and every one of us in this room, Lord. Father, we all have issues. We all have things that we still need to surrender to you. Help us. Help us to see it. Help us to recognize it for what it is, Lord. And help us to surrender it to you. You're the only one who can change us. We can't change ourselves. We have to give it to you to change us. And Lord, you love us so much, Lord, that's what you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right.